I remember leaving Santa Monica, that house, and having like a full breakdown of just, it was such a momentous moment of just leaving behind a different version of who I was. Welcome to the La Jolla Local Podcast. I'm Morgan King, your host, and I'm passionate about creating connection. Here on this podcast, we will dive into the stories and the lessons learned from local La Jolla business owners and citizens, as I believe that we all have our own story to tell. And what good are our experiences if we don't share them with others? My goal is to inspire you and share the lessons that others have learned while connecting us closer together as a community. All right, welcome to the La Jolla Local. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen in, um, hopefully get an ounce of inspiration. So today it's just me, um, Morgan King, and I felt as though because this podcast is really centered around sharing authentic stories, why wouldn't I share mine? Um, I've done this in other ways through like my Instagram or um, article drops or press releases, et cetera. But I thought I would be brave and kind of come on here and share a little bit more about myself and a lesson that I've learned through and through um, that I keep uh, learning over and over again that might be able to help and inspire you. So one of the things I want to start with is I'm not sharing uh, all of the beautiful parts of life. I don't think any life is perfect. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But I think we all come across um, challenges and now referring to those as opportunities that help us grow into the best versions of ourselves. And I wish this was more accepted to share. I wish that I knew of all the people that I admire, their real, real story. And making that okay and not attaching opinions and thoughts and judgment to it and just seeing it for what it is. It's someone's life. And we are ultimately the creators of our lives um, based on how we decide to see things. Um, at least that's my belief. And so when I go into my story today, I'm kind of going through my head on, okay, so should I share that? Is that okay to share? I don't want people to think X, Y, Z. Let's just not go there. Um, so most of you know I'm from Wisconsin, a really small town, um, and I grew up in a blended family. So I have four older sisters. I'm the youngest of two stepsisters, one real sister I refer to her as. They're all real people. Um, and then my oldest sister, who is a half-sister. Um, she lived in Chicago. So my parents separated when I was under a year old, I think, um, and ultimately got divorced when I was about two. So I really didn't know anything different. Um, they had a really tr tumultuous relationship um, from the start. I kind of they never liked each other. I mean, it, it's kind of comical as I would get into my later years, just being like, how can you have so much hatred for one person? But um, that's what happened. So basically, um, back then when couples would get a divorce, the mother would generally receive custody of the children. And so me and my sister ended up living with my mom um, who had a drug and alcohol problem. And so 
as you can imagine, I don't really remember a lot of my really early years. And those cognitive development years, like I think it's until you're about seven years old, are so extremely important. And you really take things as face value. And so when you see things, you don't question them and you see them for as they are. So if someone's like struggling with money, you create a belief that money's hard to receive or um it's hard to get money or you're not going to get money or whatever. I mean, there's so many different beliefs out there. But I think during this time, um, seeing the um, challenging relationship that my parents had through the custody battle, I blocked a lot of it out. And um, luckily, my dad found another um, partner for life. And her she already had two children, and so we became this blended family. And it was pretty cool because it was like I had two new best friends. So um, just to give you an idea on age, it was freshman, sophomore, junior, senior in high school. So it was a pretty crazy time, if you can imagine, for my dad with five women in the house. Um, but I felt really blessed growing up. Like I lived on a campground in Wisconsin, on the water, um, and although I had a challenging relationship with my mother, and I still do to this day, um, I feel grateful for that because it allowed me to have this connection with my dad that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And his, um, our relationship really grew me into the person that I am today. Driven, um, I have a lot of like masculine tendencies when it comes to business. Um, I'm really sensitive, empathetic, and these were all characteristics of him as well. So I'm looking back on it. I mean, at the time I've, and still sometimes I wish I would have had a mom and I wonder what that would be like, um, especially growing up in a small town, most of my parents or friends' parents were together still. They still are. Um, they didn't have all the drama, um, but I think that grew me into the person that I am. So I'm really um, thankful and grateful for that. And especially in high school, actually, um, my stepmom and my dad decided to separate for a while. And it was a time when my sisters were going off to college. And so we went from this family of six to just my dad and me. And that happened for two years. And in that time, we became extremely close. He was my best friend. Um, we had a lot in common. He was kind of going through some stuff, obviously, with his relationship and my stepmom. And uh, again, um, it was really sad at the time, but a huge blessing because I think back on those years as some of the best years um, that I had with my dad. So one thing about me is growing up in this small town is I felt always different. Um, and not in like a I'm different weird way, just kind of I didn't feel as though I thought the same way as everybody else did, um, especially when it came time to determine what I was going to do after high school. My family was kind of like education is the next step. It's not really an option for you to do anything else unless you have a really good reason. They're really supportive. Um, they're okay you navigating your own direction through life as long as you have some type of purpose or end result that you're targeting. They didn't want me to just like do anything. And I was always um, driven, not as much as I am now, but I always aspired to be more. Um, in high school, I actually got most likely to move away and um, most likely to be on the cover of Rolling Stone, which was very interesting. I thought that was super cool. Um, I didn't know how that came about, though, because I'm not like a singer or a musician um, in any rate. But I always felt as though there was more out there for me. And so I ended up going to cosmetology school. I studied um, at a Veda Institute in Minneapolis and really 
didn't take that super seriously. Um, I, I It was a passion of mine. I loved doing hair. I loved making people feel confident and good in their skin. It was extremely rewarding work. Um, but I went out a lot. I was young. I graduated when I was 17. And so I lived in Minneapolis and after 10 months, I had a license. And so I had a full-time job. Um, I lived with my sister and her three friends who were attending the University of Minnesota. So it was really a fun, like lighthearted time. I didn't take myself too seriously. Um, and I enjoyed a lot of things, um, a lot of different experiences. So after being a stylist for about five years, I had this desire for more. And this has kind of been a thematic throughout my life is once I become comfortable in something, I'm like, okay, what's next? Um, I don't like staying there for too long. I like to be challenged um, when it comes to like business and career. So I went back to school for my marketing degree. And during this time, I met um, someone who ultimately kind of shifted the um, turn of events for my life. So it was a romantic relationship. Um, it was actually my sister's now husband's really good friend. So how perfect was that? Um, we all got to hang out together a lot. Um, we had a lot in common, but also very different. He was this life of the party, um, kind of outrageous personality. And I've never met anybody like him before. And what was really comforting was I've always been a little bit louder. Um, I like being the center of attention, or I did at least back then a lot. Um, and so it was nice to find someone who accepted me for those things. I feel like, especially, again, nothing wrong with it, but from a small town, it's kind of like, okay, calm down. Don't be that person. Don't draw attention to yourself. Um, kind of stay quiet. Do what you're supposed to do. And it was finally a time in which I could just be myself um, wholeheartedly and be accepted for that. So it was really an awesome time. Um, we ended up, because of his job, moving out to San Francisco. And it was really hard at first. I had just graduated from college. And so I was looking to pursue a career that combined my cosmetology degree and also marketing. And I applied to over 100 jobs when I moved to San Francisco. And I was just like, roaming the streets. Um, I would call my dad crying all the time and just be like, what's wrong with me? Why can I not get a job? Like, why does no one want to hire me? Um, and when you're in those situations, you kind of turn to, okay, so what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough to get hired? And in hindsight, looking back, I ended up um, meeting someone at a picnic for um, my partner's work, and she was the new um, VP of marketing at Sephora. And Sephora was like, I mean, that is ultimate dream job. I didn't even think that that was an option, um, but we connected and she liked me. And so she brought me in for an interview and I got the job. And so that's just another lesson in looking at things in hindsight and seeing that it's always working out for your highest good. I thought to myself, I'm not good enough. I need to have more experience. I need to do an internship and work for free, um, or I'm going to have to move back home. Um, just a lot of time spent alone worrying and being fearful and scared instead of just letting go and trusting that, okay, didn't get that job. Well, that's not my path. It probably saved me from working at a place that I didn't want to work at. Um, so I started at Sephora and was completely obsessed. I loved what I did, I worked with the um, loyalty program there, 
where I would manage if anybody shops at Sephora, the Beauty Insider program. Um, it was super fun. I just couldn't believe that I had this type of a job. I felt so blessed to come into work every day. Um, but this took my work ethic to the next level. It really was kind of an uh, environment in which you survived or you didn't. Um, and surviving required you to put in a lot of hours and a lot of effort and be um, really on top of your game a lot of the time. And so the standards that the managers had for me were very high, and I was an incessant people pleaser. So what could I do to make them extremely proud of me, um, give me positive reinforcement, whatever it was? And if I wouldn't get that, I would push harder. Um, I would try harder. Um, and I just remember like coming home at the end of the day and just plopping down and watching TV kind of numbing out. Um, but on top of that, it just being kind of the perfectionist personality that I had, I also had household responsibilities. So keeping my house extremely clean, grocery shopping, um, trying to maintain friendships and taking care of my health. I just, life was so hard. I felt like there was not enough time to do anything that I actually wanted to do. Um, and during this time, I also got married. So um, the person that I moved to San Francisco with, um, we had been together for a little over three years. And I, in true Midwest fashion, was 26 and being like, what is going on? Why are you waiting so long to propose to me? Um, I'm supposed to get married, have kids, and buy a house. Like, come on, you're ruining my blueprint checklist that I have for my life. And this is something I refer to a lot now is I went through the emotions of I still decided on how I wanted my life to be, but I definitely knew there was this already pre-written path um, of achievements and milestones that I was supposed to accomplish in order to be enough or be worthy um, of being a human being. I couldn't just like go join the Peace Corps, not that that's my personality, but that would just never be an option to me. I had to succeed in all areas of life, um, whether it was relationships, my health, my friendships, whatever. I always wanted to be the best, um, and I still do. That's something that I work on daily is not attaching achievements and success to my worthiness. Um, because we're all worthy just as we are. And it's such a really challenging concept to grasp is if we all knew that there was nothing that we needed to prove of ourselves, um, there's no checklist from the universe saying, all right, once you do this, then you'll be enough. And coming from a place of true intention and alignment of why are we really here? What is it that you are here to do? Um, is it to run errands and be stressed out and create drip campaigns? Or is it to create connection and love um, and inspire other people? So uh, I kind of just went on a tangent there. But so I got married. And I, when I got married, it was one of the best days ever. I remember thinking, I cannot believe I still feel the same way that I feel about this person that I did the day that I met them. Um, so and um, for those of you who don't know, my dad recently passed away suddenly this past April. And I think about how blessed I am to have that experience of being able to walk down the aisle with my dad, um, him doing his speech. And uh, I had a videographer there. And so I listened to that speech all the time. And it brings me so much um, peace and love and just 
showcases how much my dad loved me. And it's really, really special. So really, really grateful that even though, again, kind of the the theme throughout this podcast is when we're in experiences at the time. So um, this experience specifically would be my divorce. So my husband's father passed away unexpectedly. And a month later, um, he just decided he couldn't take it anymore. And he straight up like woke up one morning and was done and he walked out. And I haven't seen him since. Um, and I don't say that to play victim. I'm, I'm just saying it to say that it, it ended up being one of the best things that's ever happened to me because I didn't believe in divorce. That would never be an option for me. But the person that I married ultimately shifted into someone else. And it's because we got married when we were young. We really did love and care about each other. And then our priorities really changed. He didn't want to have kids anymore. Um, He wanted different things. And I was willing to sacrifice my desires in order for us to stay together, because I really believe that the union of marriage was super sacred. It was something extremely important to me. Um, I mean, even when he proposed, I think I'll never, I told him I'll never get a divorce. Like that was one of my answers. Um, I was like, just so you know. Um, And he knew how I felt about that, but just he couldn't take it anymore. And so he walked out. And how it all played out was just pretty um, crazy is so a few months prior, my sister and her husband moved to San Diego and just she's always wanted to live in San Diego. She'd never even visited the city and just knew that that's where she wanted to be. And ironically, my dad was actually born in San Diego. My grandpa was out in La Jolla for the Navy. Um, and he ended up leaving to find the best fishing lakes in Wisconsin. So still have uh, frustrations towards him for that life decision. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But how cool would it have been to grow up in San Diego? Um, I guess I might not appreciate it as much as I do now, um, if that was the case. But so my sister had just moved down to San Diego, and I was leasing a beautiful home in Santa Monica the day that my husband left. And I had to leave for Vegas for a work conference for 10 days the following day. So by the time I would return, it'd be mid-November, and I had to move out um, at the end of November because our lease was up that month. So how crazy is that? Um, And I remember thinking, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go pursue my corporate dreams. I want to work for Condé Nast in New York City. And I actually had a contact out there. And I'm like, here's the time and where I can really just focus on my work. And um, I'm not going to have kids anymore. I'm probably never going to get married again. I'm going to be alone. And I created all these stories in my head of what my life would now look like based off of this um, trauma And then a week after that, my grandfather actually had a stroke, who's an extremely important man to me in my life. So as you can imagine, I've I've had trauma up until this point, but these three things in a row really shook me. Um, And especially in a time where I was very comfortable playing the victim of my own life. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Someone who cares so much about love and connection and marriage Like, did I draw this to myself? Why did I choose someone who didn't want to be with me? What was wrong with me? Why wasn't I enough? Why am I unlovable? All the things. And luckily, my sister was like, yeah, you can't move to New York. You're going to hang yourself from your shower rod. So we're going to move you down to San Diego. And I have this diary entry that's comical now to look at. And it's like, I'm moving to San Diego. I know I'm only going to be there for a couple of months because I'm not going to like it. Um, It's not the place for me. And so... I ended up finding a spot like a few days before I had to move down here. My dad flew out to move me in um, and 
a really good friend of mine from San Francisco also came down and was really my rock. I remember leaving Santa Monica, that house, and having like a full breakdown of just, it was such a momentous moment of just leaving behind a different version of who I was and leaving behind kind of the dreams that I had for my marriage. I couldn't wait to have children. I've always wanted to be a mom because of the relationship that I had with my mother. I always thought I could do such a good job and couldn't wait to have a connection with someone like that and grow them into um, a loving being. And so all the things just really came through me um, as I left that house and kind of closed the door behind me and left that life basically. So driving into the unknown, and a lot of times the unknown can be very scary. Um, We generally tie uncertainty to fear. And what if we looked at the unknown as an opportunity? And looking back, if I knew that day what I know now, I would go into driving into San Diego with excitement and um, joy. So The next couple months, as you can imagine, were extremely challenging. Um, A lot of tears um, and just sitting with my feelings, which is extremely uncomfortable. I had always been the type of person when I had emotion to kind of just work through it. And that's what a lot of people do is to avoid feeling. We kind of just book our schedules full of things or tasks or whatever it is so that we can avoid sitting with our feelings. Um, And then... Fast forward, I ended up meeting someone probably too soon um, in January of 2017. That's where we are right now in the timeline. So this is about three months after everything went down. And we were together for about two years, and it was perfect for the time. I'm really grateful for that relationship. Um, He is a really kind person. He's not my person by any means. We have very different lives that we want to lead. But he's kind and he is understanding. And at that time, that's what I really needed. Um, And he also was a real estate agent. And so I kind of skipped over my career path um, going into the drama with my divorce. But I worked for Sephora, and then my boss at Sephora went to Rodan and Fields, which is a skincare company. Um, It's also a direct selling company based out of San Francisco. And at the time, there was only like five people on the marketing team. I was like member 120 or something around that of the company. Um, And I was there for five years. And by the time I left, there was over a 1,000 employees. We were a billion-dollar brand, um, and it was massive growth. And so I had the opportunity to learn so, so much Um, Again, taking advantage of that pushing and striving um, work ethic that was very culturally driven there. But um, even though I'm still trying to repattern myself from that behavior, I I learned so, so much. I had amazing um, coworkers and bosses and some that I didn't like so much, but also taught me lessons along the way. And it really is an amazing company. The founders, um, Dr. Katie Rodan and Dr. Kathy Fields, are like (laughs) legit females. Like you think that they are just putting on a performance of like smiles and caringness and um, wanting what's best for the business. But I had the opportunity to have a lot of one-on-one time with them. We did some filming with each other in Utah and we went out to dinner and they are such legit human beings, like that is where the foundation of success will continue to grow for that business is that those two women really want to provide um, 
anybody who's interested in direct selling a substantial income so that they can still be moms, they can still be wives or husbands. It's for males too. But anyway, they're just amazing human beings. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And then when I left um, and moved to Santa Monica and then to San Diego, I got to keep my job. And what a blessing that was. Um, I wasn't necessarily super passionate at the time because of how much I was working, but Again, it taught me to um, a lot of education around marketing and organizational skills and autonomy because I'd work one week in San Diego and I'd work one week in San Francisco. So I flew back and forth um, Monday mornings early, late Friday nights, a lot of delays out of San Francisco, staying in hotels, going out to dinner every single night. And it sounds really glamorous, but it's actually really lonely. Um, especially when I started to love San Diego, I would come home and just feel so relaxed and connected. And, um, the person I was with at the time would actually pick me up from the airport on Fridays and I would go directly to Wind and Sea Beach and just sit there and watch the waves and try and wind down from the chaos from the week and just a completely different lifestyle. San Francisco, kind of the first question is, what do you do for work? Um, conversations really tie into work, who you are um, in terms of business. And then in San Diego, it's like, what do you like to do for fun? Um, what do you believe? What are your goals? <laughs> like, I love it. It's very um, – calming and completely opposite of what I was used to. And so it's this really unique dynamic of really fast paced, um, push, push, push to let go and release when I'd come to San Diego. So been doing that for about three years at this point and just was not fulfilled and started to really dive into self-development. The first book that kind of fell off the shelf, if you will, for me was uh, Gabby Bernstein's The Universe Has Your Back. I was on a trip in Ireland with my sister. Um, it was a trip that we took together, kind of me thanking her for all the support that she had given me um, through my separation. I was literally at her house almost every day. I actually moved in. I still live here um, three blocks away from her. So I got to be close to my two beautiful nieces, um, and my sister let me kind of just take part in her family, um, which I don't know if I would do that for her, honestly. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so grateful for her patience with me and just always crying and being a victim. So I treated her to this trip in Ireland, and the Gabby Bernstein book was on audio, and one of the things that she talked about was kind of your perception is your reality. And it was the first time that I, it's probably not the first time I had heard that, but it was the first time that it actually resonated with me. Like, wait a minute. So how I perceive things as the truth isn't necessarily the truth? Like, what? How, what does that mean? So from there, like fast forward to now, I spend probably two to three hours a day on self-development. I am a junkie. I'm obsessed with it, um, especially more in the spiritual realm, um, focusing on thoughts that tie into beliefs, which I think drives your action and really creates the results in your life. And you're really responsible for the life that you lead. Everything that surrounds you, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships, career, um, that is based upon your thoughts and what you believe. And so I don't actually know where I was going with that. But basically, I mean, that completely transformed my life. Oh, now I know. So I was dating the realtor at the time. 
and I was working on a project called Go Naked Day for Rodan and Fields. It's this big philanthropic campaign where we try and raise a million dollars um, based off of people posting a face, a selfie with no face makeup on. And we did an event in New York City Times Square for Solstice. Um, where we partnered with this company and we had a booth there. It was this huge project. I spent months working on it. And I remember thinking, if we can achieve this goal, I know I'll feel fulfilled and I'll want to continue down this path. And so through the effort of this incredible team that I got to work with at Rodan and Fields, um, we achieved our goal and it felt good for about 10 seconds. And then I was like, all right, now what's next? And really made me step back and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And what do I desire? What do I want for my life? Do I want a six-figure salary? Is that what's going to make me happy? Do I want a husband? Do I want um, recognition? Like, what is it that I want? And when I sat back, it's just I missed connection, And kind of tying back to my original career as a hairstylist of meeting people, hearing their stories, and helping them in one way or another. In this avenue, it was with the way that they looked. And I mean, that might sound superficial to you, but you guys, I would have people walk in and feel so down on themselves. And then I would do something to their hair and make them feel special and pampered. And they would literally leave with like, they would whip their hair, they would be standing tall, smile on their face. And like, there is nothing more rewarding to me in this world than connecting with another human being and giving them something positive, whatever that is. Even when I walk down the street and I smile at someone and it like they smile back kind of surprised, one of my favorite things, it's so simple. And so going back to that, I'm just like, okay, I need to figure out a way in which I can connect closer with other people while also utilizing this amazing skill set that I had with marketing and kind of just getting it done. Marie Forleo says everything is figure outable. And that's really been my mindset um, throughout my career is just, okay, I'll figure it out. And so real estate kind of came into my lap with this relationship that I was in and just notice, noticing there's this huge opportunity to do things a little bit different. Mind you, I thought things were done um, not the way that now I know they are. I thought a lot of people were slimy and kind of cheating you to make decisions that would ultimately benefit them versus helping, truly helping you buy a house. And especially in a market where the price point is so high, you like the number one thing you want from a realtor is trust. But with that, to showcase that people can trust you is marketing. And marketing is so important in real estate. And so um, I would help the person that I was with with some marketing efforts. I'm like, gosh, I could just, I know I could do this and it's going to be a huge challenge. I knew it was going to be hard because I saw him kind of struggling here and there. He was new. He had just transferred from um, commercial real estate to residential. And so watching him struggle, I'm like, all right, cool. I can struggle and then overcome and accomplish, which is, that's my perfect um, equation of success for me anyways. So I decided on one of my flights to Southwest, uh, Southwest um, up to San Francisco, just, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to apply to uh, take my real estate exam and take the courses today, and then I'm going to figure out the path forward for when I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to start this thing full time. 
So that happened pretty quickly. Um, and then, yeah, May 2018, I quit full-time, um, quit my job at Rodan and Fields and took on real estate full-time. And initially really took the work ethic that I had at Rodan and Fields and put it right into my business, which is not what I wanted. Um, I wanted to have something that would fulfill me not only from a career standpoint, but emotionally, and then also allow me the space to take care of my health and other priorities that I have in my life. I think we, especially in an environment where you're you're working around a lot of entrepreneurs, work becomes kind of the focus of everything that you do. And it still is for me because it provides me so much fulfillment. Um, and I really, I really love what I do. There are times where I'm working with people and I don't even calculate my commission. And I, I have a good relationship with money and I think money is very important um, when it comes to your career, at least it does for me. But I don't. That doesn't even matter. Um, the reward of being able to help people buy or sell a house. I mean, that's so important to me, and what that means for me. And when I buy my dream house, like that, it's just I'm, I feel so lucky and so blessed that I get to do what I get to do every day. So, but I was still working 12, 14 hours a day. Um, whenever I was with friends, I wasn't present. Um, really tired, stressed out all the time. And then probably, I mean, it was probably about a year ago now, it's very new for me, that I really got into meditating and really focusing in on um, like basically the law of attraction is that the frequency and the energy that you put out really does come back to you. And everything is energy. I mean, money is energy. The $50 bill that you have on your desk, if you stole it, has a completely different energy than if it was like donated to you or given to you by your parents for your birthday. And we, I, it's such a challenging thing to grasp, um, especially if you're not in this kind of like woo-woo spiritual um, world. But I have found that once I actually slow down and I listen to my body, and I do the things that fill me up so that I can give to others, the reward is tenfold. Um, I'm able to be more creative and find opportunities to generate business or connection or um, just things start showing up. Whereas if I'm focused on tasking and crossing off the to-do list and pushing and forcing I'm basically resisting what is trying to come toward me. I think originally starting out, my biggest focus was I don't want people to think I'm a salesperson because that's not what I am. I'm a service provider. I always said that. And yet, because I had this energy around being scared to come off as a salesperson, lo and behold, everyone saw me as a salesperson. And um, <laughs> it was funny. I mean, I think of I did open houses every weekend my first year. And people would be super put off. I'd be like, hi, how's it going? Welcome in. This is a two-bedroom, four-bath, blah, blah, blah. Give them all the stats. No one cares. They can look at the sheet. They're there to look at the house. And if they want to talk to you, they'll talk to you. Just generate a conversation and show them that you care about them. Like, don't try and sales pitch someone. I I would use all the scripts and all the languages. And granted, yes, this might work for some people. I'm not dissing that. It just doesn't work for me. I need to come from authenticity all the time. I mean, hello, I'm doing this 
podcast where I'm somewhat airing my dirty laundry so that I can build connection with people because that's what I love. I love being vulnerable and connecting truly with people to the core level, whether it's through business or romantic relationships or friendships. And so that's what's really been able to drive my success is kind of coming from this place of ease and surrender and knowing that um, everything is always working out for your highest good. So my bad relationship with my mom, working out for my highest good, my divorce turned me into a completely different person. I'm no longer a victim of my life. I um, have choice. I know that I'm a very powerful being who is here for a purpose. Um, I've been able to start my own business where I thrive and I love what I do every single day. Well, not every single day, but majority of the days. Um, and the last would probably be my dad passing away. So um, he had some health issues. Um, he was extremely healthy until he was around 50, I want to say. Um, he was an athlete. He was a star basketball player, 6'6", very tall guy, um, and very lovable from the outside especially. Like he, his number one purpose, I felt, was to just make other people feel good. And it was really at the expense of himself a lot of the time. Um, when you have bad energy, you have to exert that in some way, shape, or form. You can't just hold it in. So if you get frustrated or upset with something, you can't just hold it in and expect it to go away and then people please to make other people feel good because that will ultimately create a huge mass of bad energy in your body and it needs to be released. And so I feel like that was my dad a lot of the time is um, especially – exterior facing, just really wanted to make others feel good. And he did that so well with such purpose. I mean, when he passed away, we had over almost a thousand people at his uh, ceremony of life or celebration of life, excuse me. Um, we had it all Rolling Stones themed because he wasn't your average like person. He would have hated if we did it at like a funeral home um, and did a burial site. So we cremated him. We actually had him in a large margarita shaker, which is like, if you know my family, <laughs> it makes sense. It sounds probably really weird to outsiders, but he loved Key West. He went there every spring and he was famous for his margaritas and he had this massive margarita shaker. So we put a Rolling Stones tongue on it and he still is there right now until we um, decide to spread his ashes down in Key West, um, hopefully in the next year or so. But I feel as though because he sacrificed a lot of his well-being to make other people feel good, when you're filled with anger or frustration, that comes out in a lot of ways in which you don't want it to. And so um, in his really close relationships, sometimes he would have outbursts of rage or anger. Um, but he he would always get so mad at himself then afterward. He'd be like, why did I say that thing or why did I do that thing? And a really great analogy is by Wayne Dyer. He talks about how whatever you're filled with will come out. So uh, an example um, is an orange. So an orange is filled with orange juice. So if you slice an orange open and you use a juicer or you use your hand or you use um, whatever mechanism it is to get the juice out, the juice is going to come out no matter what. And so if you're filled with anger or frustration, 
if someone cuts you off in traffic, you're going to get frustrated and super mad at them because it gives you a reference point to exert bad energy. And this is a hard lesson to learn because I think a lot of the times, especially in the self-development world, is we want to be happy and we want to have positive frequency and we want to have good vibes. And that's not always the case. And especially when my dad passed away, um, that took away a lot from me. It wasn't just him as a being of being my father and he was only 64, um, but kind of the representation of the foundation for my life, of this person who, when I had a bad relationship with my mom, I always went to my dad. When I had my separation, I called my dad and he came out. Um, He's always been there for me, no matter what. And so not having that person in my life anymore was terrifying. It was it was so scary. And right when he passed initially, he was everywhere. I mean, I could feel his energy. I wasn't – it was weird. It was almost, I think, because I had to be there for my stepmom who was so sad. They'd been together for 30 years. Um, and I, I think when you're in traumatic – uh, experiences, sometimes you kind of default to who's the saddest. And that's normally me in my family. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm the baby and I play it really well. So, um, and especially because dad and I were super close, like I, I thought I was going to be the sad one, but then she was and it, it kind of allowed me to kind of buck up and be there for everyone. And hey, it's going to be okay. And I would just talk to my dad as if he was still there. And I'm like, all right, so what do you want us to do for the funeral and all the things? And then you kind of come back to reality and you're like, oh God, this is a real thing. Like he's not here anymore. And for anybody who's ever lost someone, you don't know what to do. And as someone who's very process oriented and a high achiever, I was kind of like, okay, so I went to my therapist and was like, all right, what are the steps I need to take in order to overcome this grief? And she kind of looked at me and was like, oh gosh, classic Morgan. Um, You're just going to have to figure this one out for yourself. Like there's no process. It's ebbs and flows. There's, um, I feel like it's very cyclical. It's not linear. Um, And you go through all these different periods. And so I would do all this research and I'd read books and I just didn't know what to do. And so for the first couple months, I was actually doing really well. Um, I was like, you know what? Thank God he he passed away in his sleep, which I mean, what a dream. Um, I can't imagine my dad being in the hospital or dying of an illness, which I know some of my friends have experienced with their parents, I cannot imagine. It would be his worst nightmare. So I was very grateful for that. I was grateful for all the love that he had given me throughout my life and how lucky am I to be so sad about someone passing because that just goes to show what an incredible bond and relationship that we had. So I really was focused on all these positives and then it just hit me. And I was not Morgan. I wasn't motivated. I wasn't my normal self. I wasn't positive. I couldn't do the things. And recognizing it now, again, in hindsight, is you have to go through it. You cannot go around it. When things come up in your life and you struggle and you wonder, why me? Why is this happening to me? Or you get frustrated or you can't get out. You can't see the light. You kind of think it's going to last forever. Um, it's not going to last forever. And you have to go through it 
in order to experience the growth. James Wedmore, who's a podcaster who I follow, who's amazing. If you guys don't, um, it's called the Mind Your Business Podcast. It's so much more relevant to life, I think, than it is to business, but he's phenomenal. And he always says that you'll either learn the lesson or you'll get the desired outcome. So whenever we're trying to get towards somewhere, we might not get there, but it's because we're there to learn a lesson um, or we'll get the outcome that we desire. And that means you're ready to receive that that um, that desired outcome. And so for me, just like really going through it, giving myself time and space, which I it's very, very hard for me to do. I tie a lot of my worthiness around achievement and success and supporting other people. And so I wasn't able to be that person anymore. And that's a real loss of identity. I'm like, who am I? If I'm not Morgan that shows up with a smile and is there for all her friends and is trying to be this person that others can look to, like, who am I? And again, just going back, like, you guys, we are worthy because we exist. That is it. And as much as you can tell yourself that over and over and over until you truly believe it, um, really allows you to come from a place of just alignment and all the actions that you take aren't based upon um, like self-gratification um, of once I achieve this, then I'll be good enough. Once I get the car, once I get the title, once I get the salary and working from the outside in, nothing outside of you will get you fulfillment. You have to find it within yourself. And I'm sure I'll go back to that place again. I'm anticipating it actually. Um and right now, I feel a lot of ease. I feel like my dad has lifted some grief from me for the moment. But there are days that are extremely, extremely hard. And it's funny because we all have a 100% success rate in dying. But no one talks about this. And no one tells you what you should do or how to handle it. And I just think if you get one thing from this today – is be as open as you can be. I mean, we have one life here and to be who you truly are and not be ashamed for it and to share with others your experiences that you're going through. Like, how great would it be if I said, hey, how you doing? And you said, ah, really bad. And that's okay. And you're just not tying judgment to it of, oh God, I don't want to hear their story. It's like, what if that was okay? I feel like if we all were able to truly feel our emotions and express what was going on, we wouldn't feel so alone. And we would know that we're all supported and we're all going through something, whether it's your dad passing away or whether it's you just like not feeling good and you don't know why. There doesn't always have to be a reason. And it's all relative to what you've experienced in your life. It's not necessarily yours is worse than mine. And so- with that, tying this all together is just know that you're always supported. Everything is always working out for your highest good, even if you cannot see it in the moment. So learn to let go a little bit. We're not here to control. We're here to cooperate. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you found value in my words um, in one way or another. And if you did, share this with someone. I just, the goal of this isn't for me to gain exposure. The goal of this is for someone to listen to it and say, oh, God, I needed to hear that today. Um, so go out there, spread kindness, love, create connection. And until next time, thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? 
If you did, then head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of this podcast. We sincerely appreciate your feedback. Stay tuned for another episode of the La Jolla Local Podcast, and thank you for listening.